Good afternoon. This is the Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy. I'm Leah. I'm Sammy. I'm Jeremy. And today we are going to be discussing magic and technology. Are they the same or are they different? And we brought in a special guest to help us out with this topic. And I'd like to introduce everybody to Clark Ronson. Clark, go ahead and tell us about yourself. Hi, guys. And I just realized your listeners won't be able to see me wave, but, you know, whatever. I have been... So what I do is I actually work to help storytellers craft and repair the extraordinary elements of their stories, whether that's magic systems, technology, crazy monsters, because to me they're all one and the same, which we'll get into a little bit more here in a bit. But after I started doing this, I realized I've been playing around with magic systems before I knew what to call them. So, like honestly, before I could read and... Now I don't really play video games, read books, or watch movies unless there's some kind of magic system I can really sink my teeth into. And I actually have a background in chemical engineering and chemistry. That's where my day job comes in. And yeah, right now I run a blog where I talk about how to build magic systems, and I have coaching services to help people go through the structuring process, and if something isn't fitting right, help them fix it to make it support their story better. Cool. That's actually really amazing. I have to say I spent a couple hours at LTUE just earlier this year talking to Clark, and it was probably the most useful two hours I've ever spent. So I am glad to hear that. <laughs> Hopefully not ever, but I, I will take that for your magic system. Yeah, right? when it comes to magic systems and storytelling, <laughs> that was the most useful two hours I've spent. <laughs> and I think we all agree with you on the fact that it's it's hard sometimes to get into a movie or a show if there isn't some kind of magic system in it. I mean, I think we all play a little bit of video games, Dungeons and Dragons. We yeah. fantasy for a reason. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're yeah. the fantasy group for a reason. Exactly. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and get into it. So um, I'd like to hear from a little bit from everybody. What, what do you think is the difference between magic and technology? Why do you think magic and technology are different or the same? And why is it so important in our world, in our society? I actually want to hear what you guys have to say before I jump in and ruin things for you, so okay. go for it. <laughs> well, ruin I'm being stuff, a blabbermouth, so Jeremy, you start. You're the one sitting there being quiet. Oh, I'm trying to collect thoughts. It's oh, okay. <laughs> Do you need a little more time? No, actually, I think I have um, this, this thought came to me um, about magic versus tech um, perception. Um, mm. For me, that's, that's the difference. Uh, any technology can be, per be perceived as magic based on who is perceiving it. Um, any magic could be based or could be perceived as technology. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a huge part of perspective, uh, here with regard to this discussion. Um, you, you bring a laser gun to a castle, uh, a medieval castle, that's going to look like magic. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, my opinions are pretty much the, the same. Like it really depends on who's viewing it. Like I've mentioned before, like in my, my series in the world that it exists in, um, electricity is not a thing. So when someone from Earth brings electricity, they're like, oh my gosh, it's magic, it's sorcery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it really is like depending on who is perceiving it. Um, as of like the differences between magic and technology, I think it really depends on like how it is utilized. Like, is it conjured by like mystical means or is it conjured like scientific means is there but then i guess you know bringing alchemy and that's kind of like a combination of the both of them mm -hmm. i mean if you think about it cooking is alchemy yes 
This food chemistry is, is all alchemy. Is yeah. Yeah. Alchemy was the precursor to chemistry, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what it was called back in the day. It was alchemy. They were alchemists. I have a bias towards chemistry. I'll oh. let you guess why. But, <laughs> no so idea. for me, I actually consider, I have a pretty broad definition for magic. To me, magic is anything, any effect or capability that is beyond our current our own current capability or understanding and that are that i'm using in that statement can be us as the author or it can be the people in the world so that kind of gets into a lot of the perspective stuff where if we wrote it right the things that are technology to us will be magic to our characters and with that that I really like throwing that out there because the good news with that is that means we can approach building technology and building magic systems pretty much the same. There are different ways you want to think about stuff when you're doing tech versus magic in your story, but the process is the same because they're both actually magic systems as far as I'm concerned. I have to say that I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, magic, what, what magic is, is an opinion, is, is basically in the eyes of the person that's watching it and their level of understanding, you know? I mean, you look at what we can do with nanomachines, you look at what we can do with LEDs. And when I was a kid, some of the stuff we do with LEDs now, I would have thought was magic when I was a kid. Yeah. A lot of it depends on your understanding of it. Exactly. So why, what is it that draws people to, to magic, though? You know, we, we are, we're all into, we're way into fantasy, of course, so we're, we love magic, we love dragons and fireballs and all stuff magical. I think why what is interesting about it is the, the idea that nothing is impossible. Um, that, like, you know, who's going to, well, I guess you can shoot fireballs if you got the right stuff for it. In yeah, even now, world. you can. <laughs> but, like, you could, like, wave a magic stick and fireball is going to shoot out of it. Just, like, mm-hmm. that, that sense of power that we don't really have as in our everyday lives. Um, and kind of, like, the adventures and everything that goes along with it. I call that power a grenade launcher. Yeah, I mean. The magic stick that shoots fireballs. Magic stick, yeah. As kids, we all wanted grenade launchers, or maybe that was just me. But no, I'm I'm not a kid anymore, and I still want a grenade launcher. So oh, I no, still I'm, want a wand. <laughs> yeah, a magic wand. Yeah. I'm just happy with a balloon launcher. So <laughs> a balloon launcher? <laughs> water balloon, of course. Oh, okay. So he, you're not even going for the potato cannon. You just no, no. you just want water. Balloons. I want to get someone wet. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified. Like, so he's a water bender. Because I was thinking, oh, guess water bender. Uh, absolutely. Thinking like, <laughs> like helium, helium balloons, balloon like just launcher. shooting them out and they're floating. <laughs> they just float away. <laughs> Like, that seems like a pointless weapon. Yeah, it's like a party trick to, like, distract people while the real weapon comes in. Uh That's right. (laughs) Distraction. I love it. If you guys don't mind, I'd actually like to dig a little deeper into that perception bias. Yeah, please do. Another thing that part of what I think is the main factor in whether people see it as technology versus magic really has to do with the level of adoption in the world itself. Mm -hmm. So if you go back in our history then when alchemy and stuff was first coming out and you had the gentleman scientists who were doing it and it was just this strange bizarre thing that was unholy and unheard of and dangerous to most of the population that was essentially magic to them then as it became better documented and better understood and it became more accessible to a broader scope of the population 
it started shifting in the mind of the general populace from magic to a standard thing we see every day, which is just technology. We may not know how to do it ourselves, but it's common enough and available enough that it's not it's not magic anymore. It's part of our civilization. You, so you could almost say the same even about doctors. I mean, you look at what doctors had to do to become doctors back in the 17 and 1800s and how taboo it was to do what they did and how often healers like village healers ended up getting strung up or burned at the stake as witches because they thought that they were doing magic when they healed people which is kind of weird well you healed my son i'm gonna kill you doesn't make sense <laughs> to me but yeah. but i guess that kind of stuff happened you know because they oh, thought yeah. it was magic absolutely and another thing that that goes into this and this is something i've actually done when i've been coaching people who wanted to do some tech for some more sci-fi steampunk one of the ways to think about it is uh, the availability is not just in terms of like, it, can you see it on every street corner? So one of the biggest things between magic and tech is how the availability to a commoner. Mm. So for example, if you took, if you took avatar, the last airbender and you accelerated it 300 years and they're all in an advanced civilization, I would argue that the bending is still magical because only specific people can access specific elements. If they unlocked something so that anybody could access any of the elements, now you're dealing with the technology because of the broad spectrum of availability to anybody in the world. That's one of the main distinctions for me between something you can treat more as tech versus something that is more magic, even if you are integrating the magic into your industry and the rest of your world. It's still going to be magical if there are people that can't do it just because. I, I really like that. It, it made me think of The Incredibles, uh, actually. Um, the bad guy, he basically creates a tech to make everybody super, so no one is. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked your, your approach there. That's, that is very interesting. Yeah. See, it and made me think of The Boys, that, that new series, how... You know, there's these superheroes in that are now, everybody thinks that these superheroes are sometimes gifts from God. But then you find out watching it, am I going to give some of the way? I don't want to oh, yeah, spoil this. Oh, yeah, that's a huge spoiler. Uh, that's a huge spoiler. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know what, never mind, never mind. I'm not going to be the spoiler alert. But pulling on that thread, that's kind of why people like Iron Man or, the, or Syndrome in The Incredibles are borderline magical. Because they can do with technology, they can do things with technology that nobody else can. As soon as you make it so that other people can replicate and it becomes more widely available, then it starts being more of a tech system as opposed to a magic system. Mm -hmm. So the arc That's reactor cool. that Iron Man has is essentially magic. His suits are very tech, but they work around a heart of magic because only he has figured out how to do the arc reactor. Very cool. Yeah, I like that sometimes magic can be seen as not only technology, but also as almost like an additional element. Yeah. Like in I that really case, like it. it's like an element. I so. really like it when you can fuse them together. I, I get really nerded out talking about that kind of stuff. So I guess I have a question about the avail availability thing. Um, so if it's like something everyone could, you know, potentially use in an everyday situation, but not everyone has access to it or can afford it, is it considered technology or magic at that point? I would still put it at tech because, I mean, okay. if you consider things like uh, computers or cell phones even just 20 years ago, 
they existed and there were people who thought they were really bizarre and extreme, but they were built on a foundation of things that we understood and we did have access to. We had access to telephones, even though we didn't have access to cell phones. So part of that is the size of the gap between what you can have access to and what you can't. So if we were at the point where we were doing steam powered engines and then Tony Stark came in with arc reactors and the wealthy were allowed to purchase arc reactors, that would be in a really big gray area because for most of us, the jump between steam powered to arc reactor power is so huge that it may as well be a magical leap. So it's kind of like going from phone lines to internet. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. remember when, when the internet first became available to the public and so many people didn't know what it was. They didn't know how to describe it. They didn't know how to understand it. They were like, oh, it's a place you send messages, but wait, it's not a place. And then yeah. when you think about it, it's like, wow, the human race created an alternate dimension that exists everywhere and nowhere. And we interact yeah, exactly. with it with our phones and our computers with these little mirrors, you know, yeah. which almost seems like magic. Yeah. And there, there, there are small things mm -hmm. that you can do to flip it from one to another. So, for example, if you wanted to go with classic superhero powers, that's magic because each person, they're the only ones who can use their power. You can industrialize the power, you can monetize the power, and you can um, document and quantize the power. But as long as they're the only ones who can use it, it's still essentially a magical power. Now, if the powers came from medallions that were created, then all you had to do was purchase and get your hands on one of these medallions then you're dealing with a tech system where the industry relies on creating these medallions and purchasing and accessing them that way. But on the other side, a thousand years later, when those medallions are rare, nobody knows how to recreate them, you're back more towards something more mystical and magical, even though it's, uh, I call that, like, that's the ancient tech magic, right? The tech of the ancients is essentially magic. Which is, so. which is almost the entire plot of She-Ra. Just oh, okay. Like the Shira <laughs> on Netflix on my watch right now. List for a while. It's it's amazing, and I've watched it over and over and over and over and over because I have a two-year-old who loves it. But I love it too, so I'm okay with that. But yeah, like they've got this ancient technology that a lot of people now consider magic, but it is actually tech. Right, and there it kind of crossed the border because it went from being something that anybody could access and anybody could use, shifting to a very limited, specific few can use it. And that's where, it, like, knowledge can be a weird thing in there. Because if it's very specialized and esoteric knowledge, that can be the equivalent of having that magical gene that lets you do something. So uh, Stargate Atlantis, the, uh, the ancient gene, that was magic. What it allowed them to access was tech, but they had to have the magic gene in order to use it. Hmm. So... Sorry, I'm talking a lot. Like, no, that's really okay. That's okay. This has stuff. been a fascinating conversation, actually. Mm -hmm. I really look forward to going back and listening to this again. Mm -hmm. um, we are going to go ahead and start wrapping it up at this point now, though, because I believe we just hit our 15-minute mark. So, oh, man, that went fast. I know. It, went, <laughs> it did. It went really fast. When You know, when you're having a great discussion, it's really interesting. It just goes super fast. Um, so... To, before we wrap this up, I just want to make sure that everybody is aware that if they want to look into Clark's services, his website is crronson.com. That's spelled C-R-R-O-W-E-N-S-O-N.com so that you can take a look over 
uh, the kind of help that you can get from Clark with your magic system. He's got his uh, his blog on there and everything. And I also want to give a shout out to my friend David, whose studio we're recording in today. This is Jeffress Studios. J-E-F-F-R-E-S-S. Thank you. All right. So thank you so much, Clark. We're going to have you back again someday because you are just this massive wealth of information. I'm excited. It's always fun talking with you guys. Awesome. Cool. Hey, are you going to be at LTUE again this year or next uh, year? Yeah, I'm I'm planning on it. They actually opened the panelist. Um, they opened the call for panelists recently, if you guys yeah. weren't aware of that and are interested in that. That is available. And if after this, anybody is interested in looking at my coaching offers, there's not a link through the site. You have to know the URL, which is just crrowinson.com slash coaching. Or you can always just email me and we can start talking and I'll see what I can do to help. All right. Fantastic. Cool. Well, well then we will see you next February in person and yes. we will talk to you later, hopefully sooner. Thank you, Clark. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Clark. And once again, listeners, this is the Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Goodbye.